Hey, Linda and Drew Scott here. Welcome to At Home. Finally, a show where I don't have to wear a tie, a tool belt, or even pants. For all you know, we could be recording this from the toilet. For the past decade on Property Brothers, hundreds of families have invited us on their journey to create their dream homes. And with every family we met, we learned a little more about what really makes a house a home. Now we want to invite you to come along on our journey. To live in a treehouse. RV. A farm. Whatever it is, we have a lot to learn. That's where we bring in our lovely guests. They'll share their experiences on everything from building healthy relationships to growing baby carrots. I've always wondered about those. And speaking of babies, we want to be sure that we're playing our part in making the planet better for our future kids. We know that the changes we all want to see in the world start at home. I've always wanted to live in a treehouse. Doesn't everyone? This is At at home. Let's do this in unison. Ready? This is at, at home. home. It's almost harmonized. That There's a bad. reason why uh, we didn't sing our song. Our feels like home. Song. Yeah. Whatever. Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, excited to have you guys here joining us today. Even more excited because we have a very unique guest. Yeah, you may know him. You, Drew, may know him from oh um, such things as mom's womb. Such things as mom's womb. <laughs> Um, clowning around. Uh, growing up, inseparable as kids, uh, did everything together. Oh, and he's the second half of Property Brothers. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan is back to join us. We're really excited because we have a doc we produced, and this has been a passion of all of ours, and especially Jonathan. He traveled around for three and a half years for this doc, interviewing people, researching, learning about the energy landscape in America. And so the documentary is Jonathan Scott's Power Trip, and it will be on PBS November November 16th. 16th. Hope you'll watch it. There's lots to learn. We get into a bit of it on this chat. Um, and, And you should also listen for all of the wonderful puns. But more importantly, you'll learn about... Solar. What I love is that you're going to learn why renewable energy is a great thing. And especially in the documentary as well, it talks about both sides of things. This isn't a Republican or Democratic thing. Yeah, I don't know why why it has become that. No. Like it's... Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to show the information that shows why it's great for people. It's good for everybody. It's good for people. It's good for the planet. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's time to bring Jonathan in to fuel this conversation. Is that a good pun? Whatever. This is Jonathan Scott. (laughs) Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. 
visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love Bouncing off these walls Shining through the windows Reflecting like a rainbow That's where we belong Yeah, it feels like home So are you excited about the doc coming out? It is one of those things where it's been, well, since the very, very first conversation we had about the documentary would be three and a half Has years ago. Three years already? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And so to finally have it in front of an audience um, and to finally, and not only just any audience, like the audience that I truly wanted to have it in front of um, with PBS, it's, uh, it's very, very satisfying to know that we finally finished it and got it out to people. So we've already told everybody that the documentary is called Jonathan Scott's Power Trip. I just want to preface that though. I have been dealing with Jonathan Scott's Power Trip my entire life. So it's taken <laughs> 42 years, not three years. Exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's one really long power trip. You, you can attest, like the whole reason this film happened is because when we were doing the solar in Vegas, on the house in Vegas, and I remember we even talked about it. We were talking about how, you know, we got to find ways recycling because when we first moved to Vegas, there was no recycling in Vegas. It didn't happen anywhere. So we started, you know, right, the recycling program came in, started doing that right away. Um, and then we talked about solar. And so it seemed like a logical, you know, thing to do. We looked around, found a company that was going to put it on the roof. And once the system was installed and we had, a, there, there were all these dumb rules, like one, you could only put in, enough solar to offset 90% of your last year's power um, on a monthly basis. And that's crazy because the house was a foreclosure. It was vacant. There was nobody in the house. So I said to them, what, what, what about just putting the amount of panels to power whatever we can power? And then that free energy goes back to the grid. No, yeah. can't do that. Nevada Energy had all these rules. And so finally we put a system up and then we added more of a system after the fact, after we had a bigger history of power use. But then once the system was ready to use, it was months that I fought with the utility, Envy Energy, just for them to come with their inspector, flick a switch and say, okay, you're good to use it. They didn't want to lose the hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month that we were paying for power. And so finally, after I think it was something like five months, maybe four months, they gave me the approval, flicked the switch, and then only a matter of weeks after that, all of a sudden, all energy, all solar in Nevada was killed because they did away with net metering, which is the probably the single biggest benefit for people that they can sell back any of the excess power that they use. Yeah, maybe fully explain what net metering means because I think one thing for a lot of people, they're really interested in the idea of offsetting their costs. It's going to save them money. They're also interested in potentially doing something good for the planet, but they just don't know where to start. So that's the thing. And this is why most people turn a blind eye. They want their power to just work. They flick a switch, a light comes on. They turn on their blender, their TV, whatever. You don't think about it, but you've noticed your bills are slowly getting higher. Um, you've noticed that there are a lot of things like coal power plants and nuclear power plants and all these dirty energies um, that there's a new way. So with solar, one of the biggest benefits with solar is, yeah, you're doing something great for the environment, for human health, but also you reduce your costs. That's mm -hmm. one of the huge benefits. And with net metering, what net metering allows is if you produce more energy than you're going to use, that excess energy goes back into the grid. The, the utility can sell that to somebody else and then they can pay you for it. And so 
otherwise the utility is basically getting to sell the energy you produced without paying you for it. Yeah, so it was a way for people not just to offset their utility costs, they could actually make money on whatever so was left over. So the individual homeowners can start making money from whatever they do not use. Exactly, and there are some places in the country where people are able to, like if I've met with a lot of farmers in Georgia and whatnot, and there are people who could create these you know, solar arrays on their property and then actually power their neighbors or in a building with community solar. You can have community solar and it can benefit everybody in a low-income building. And so let's take it back one more step too. For me, when I started really analyzing, and I was learning a lot of this with solar, I didn't understand how does it work. You know, No one told me when you put a solar system in, if you don't have a battery backup, like a Tesla Powerwall or an LG battery um, on at home, your power still goes out if the grid goes out. No one told me that. So I here I had this solar system installed. I thought this is great. And then within like a week, all of a sudden the power went out. And I was like, what the heck? And so then with those power, you know, battery uh, backups, they don't tell you that that only covers like four circuits. So you have to decide, well, how big's your home? Mm-hmm. How many batteries do you need? And it can get pretty pricey. And in Nevada, there's also a rule. They will not allow you to have enough battery backup to go for a long period of time. It has to only be for a max of because four hours. Because why? Because the utility wants you to buy their power. Yeah. That's what it is. So other places like California don't have that rule. So you could put in enough to offset your power usage for days if you needed to. They don't want you off the grid. So in, in Vegas, um, I have to have an NV Energy account. Even if I use no power, they at least get that $15 a month for the minimum fee. So anyway, so going back, when I started learning about all this stuff, I was thinking, what's important to me? There are two things that are important to me. What's good for the environment? And that's obviously reducing greenhouse gases, reducing our carbon footprint, doing something healthy for the environment. And then the other is what's good for people? Well, the human health aspect, not having dirty coal power plants. Um, It's amazing how the negative effects, and most of those are usually close to low-income communities um, who don't have the political might or the money to fight Mm -hmm. back. Um, so what's good for people? I'd say cleaning up the air, cleaning up the water, the soil, and also reducing monthly expenses, mm-hmm. creating jobs. That was one when I started digging into this whole renewable energy debate, some of these cool stats really caught me. And I'm like, why aren't more people talking about this? When they're talking about jobs, you'll you'll hear different politicians who are, you know, saying, Oh, coal's coming back. We're gonna get those coal jobs, and they'll do these campaigns during, you know, the voting period. Creating hundreds of thousands yeah. of jobs. Never going to happen. Coal's been on the decline since the 50s when they started automating. Well, now in America, there's only 50,000 coal jobs left in all of America. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy to me that when you think of all of these new industries that that could revitalize these towns, give jobs, create jobs, reduce the human health aspects, and it's being fought against so hard. I'm like, that that to me tells me there's something very shady going on. Well, that's that's exactly it. For me, whenever you hear the debate, because none of us want to see, you know, families that have lived off of fossil fuel, like their their families had jobs with coal or however they, they had. Yeah, the wherever last they thing we jobs. want to do is take away jobs from exactly. people who have done this for generations. And, or, and or vilify them. There's no, mm-hmm. like this. we wouldn't have had the industrial revolution as if it wasn't for our coal miner. And, and grandpa, grandpa was a coal miner. Well, exactly. And that, that's the thing too. So what, what can we do though? We now know, we're always learning. We didn't know what we know about pollution and how we're you know killing the planet and ourselves with all of the pollution and whatnot that comes from these fossil fuel industry. And so here we are in a more educated day and age so instead of just saying we're trying to get rid of those jobs and creating a campaign saying how renewables are trying to kill jobs, 
talking about all those jobs and the training from all the people that were in the coal industry or, or other fossil fuel uh, jobs, how they're be, they can be trained to come over to the renewable side of things. That's the part, you know, it's, it's exciting on one aspect, um, but also very sad on the other is the hope. And on the flip side, you have these mining companies who they go bankrupt so that they don't have to pay out the benefits to the miners who have gotten sick. They go bankrupt and then they just open up under another name and the mine keeps operating and that's just how it, which, it goes. It should be completely illegal to do that. I, but the, what, I was going to say the one thing that is good though on the hope side is there are other companies now who have recognized uh, that there's an opportunity to retrain these workers mm-hmm. into clean energy jobs. And so there are programs in place, which it's amazing because these are good people who want to work and mm-hmm. they, they work hard. And there is this really deep, Inset uh, this deep mindset that this is all they know and this is what they mm-hmm. want their kids to do because they have been several generations of people working mm-hmm. in coal, but now they don't have to. So being sh- shown that we're not vilifying them, mm-hmm. we're trying to find a path for them, and we agree we want them to work, we want them to be healthy and happy, that's the message that we should be pushing forward. And I think when you see these towns where their entire industry was coal or was you know, be going down into the mines, polluting their lungs, dying young. And I remember that one gentleman that you spoke to. It was know. actually an interesting moment. So I, with the one gentleman, I met him and, and we were talking and, and I said, so, so given the opportunity, if you were able to, you know, open a mine, get, you know, people back to work or create jobs in renewable energy or something new, what would you do? And he said, I would open a mine. And I said, so even knowing that you would be saying to your son, okay, here's a job, you, you're you going to get black lung, you're going to get sick like you are, you would want to bestow that upon somebody else. And it was funny because you you saw the light bulb go on in his mind. You saw that switch flip. And it was the first time where he realized, he's like, no, 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 that's not what I, wait, hold on. And he took back what he said about opening a mine and said, no, I, I wouldn't want that. And what's crazy to me is everything he did, he did for his family. Yeah. He wanted to provide for his family, for his wife, for his kids. And two weeks after the interview, he died because of black lung. And it's sad to me because this was the first moment where he sort of realized there was hope, there was something that mm-hmm. could be done. Yeah, change is scary. Like nobody wants to change their way of living. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, we rely on bigger companies who have the money and the resources to train these people into into working in renewable energy. Well, and that that's the tricky thing. When you look at some of the largest corporations in any state, a lot of time, the largest or one of the largest is the utility. And these public utilities, a lot of people think, oh, this is a company that's working for the betterment of the, you know, the city and the people and they're looking out and no, a lot of the time they're looking out for their profits. These are for profit and they're very profitable. Isn't companies. that like on the monopoly board? Yeah. 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 I never liked that. And, and also in, in like <laughs> states like Nevada, they literally have a monopoly. Envy Energy has that monopoly. And I remember when, uh, what was it? Two years ago, we were voting um, to get rid of that monopoly and there was a whole campaign to educate people. If we don't have this monopoly, then we can start to regulate the price a little better. You have more options. You can do renewables. And then I remember the utility, they ended up spending, what was it, 60 or $70 million on a campaign that completely fooled everybody because they thought if they voted that way, that's going to be better for the people, which it well, wasn't. And this is the crazy thing too. So I'll give you some back story on that. When I first started looking at the, the manipulation and the misinformation Nevada was bad, but 
Other states were even worse. Arizona, Florida, they were really, really bad. In Florida, the utility had the same thing. So to change the state constitution, you have to pass two ballot measures, so two elections, and you have to pass both ballot measures, and then it officially will change the state constitution. So in Florida, the vote had gone out there. What the problem is, a lot of times these fossil fuel companies or the utilities, they'll create these other entities, these nonprofits or these corporations that sound pro-solar. And so it'll be something like Americans for Solar or you know Energy Smart Americans or something like that. It's actually funded by these think tanks for the utilities. What they did in Florida is they actually wrote legislation to put through with government officials that were actually written by the lawyers of the utilities, but then submitted uh, by these politicians that were backed by the fossil fuel industry. And it sounded pro-solar, everything they were doing, but there was one line in the fine print of this new legislative measure that would actually strip solar customers of their rights. In Arizona, exact same thing happened. They spent like 40-something million. And then in Nevada, they spent a record-breaking, there has never been a ballot measure with a campaign this expensive. They spent $64 million to try and keep their monopoly. The second round and the second election, they overwhelmingly won. And um, it just goes to Because show. of all the money they poured into the campaign? Yeah, I mean, there was, you had a lot of the, the green energy companies, they spil- still spent about 30 million, but they the utilities outspent them two to one. Well, they have, they have the money to do it. So. I, I even met a guy on the street, I remember we were shooting the film, and I was going door to door talking to people at the time of that election. And um, I remember there, I, I saw this guy and he was going around and he was handing out these you know, vote, you know, vote no. And I was promoting vote yes. And so I said to the, so tell me your, your spiel, what's your spiel? And he's, the guy said to me, he's like, I'll be honest, this is a job, I have no idea. Whereas everyone, like on the vote yes side, we were all impassioned mm-hmm. people who were caring yeah. about the environment, trying to do this. He just said, they pay me a lot of money and I hand out these flyers. So you should have it. paid him a bit more to hand out yeah. our yeah. flyers. Yeah, you didn't have the budget. <laughs> yeah. So what's your opinion I hear this quite a bit and it drives me nuts. But when people are talking about why coal is good or why natural gas is good, they'll say, no, because it's clean coal. No, because it's clean natural gas. So it's all good. Yeah, so the same way when we were talking about during elections, they come up with these like buzzwords. It's all about marketing. That's what these companies have, departments that they pay a lot of money to market their ideas. Because if I walked up to you and I said, hey, I want to pour chemicals into the ground, I want to cause tremors and earthquakes, and I want to extract this oil, and then I want to burn it, and I want to put all those chemicals into the air that you're going to breathe in, people are going to get sick, how about it? You would be like, get off my land, you weirdo. And so what they do is they then come up with these marketing campaigns. Part of those campaigns are to discredit everything else. And that's where, you know, when you were talking about subsidies, subsidies, that was one of those words that they intentionally harped on over and over so that people started to get a real negative feeling when they heard the word subsidy. And it worked. So people thought, oh, well, solar is full of subsidies. So it's obviously not good for me, the taxpayer. It's not true. There are, it's, there are subsidies and what involved, but it's no different than any other form of energy. In fact, these are subsidies for technology, which is a much better thing anyway. And also the subsidies that do go towards renewable are a lot lower than what goes towards fossil fuel. Yeah, and it's not even like, most of the time when they were saying that solar had subsidies, it's not, they're not subsidies, it's net metering. You're selling the energy back producing. to the grid. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's yeah. not a subsidy. 
The other thing when they're marketing campaigns is they'll then find rosy ways to talk about the things that they do want to do. So they were saying, okay, well, clean coal. We've got these additional scrubbers on here. It reduces some of the chemicals that come out. Coal is dirty, period. No matter how many filters and scrubbers you put on it, people get sick when they work around coal. People get sick when they live around coal. And they have to put the coal ash dump somewhere, same as the nuclear waste. It has to go somewhere. And wherever it does go, it poisons everything around it. Well, it's also when they're saying clean natural gas or clean coal, they're talking about it's more uh, machine-driven than it is human-driven. So it's not as unhealthy for humans because it's... But then again, too, where's your whole argument about creating more jobs? If they want to be on, if they want to be honest, it should be cleaner coal than before. Or, but or still here, really let bad. me. Uh, I'll sell you my good smelling poop. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's gooder <laughs> smelling than the last poop, so you know, it must be clean. Yeah, it's it's just it's again, it comes down to manipulation. It's it's you know, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, you don't have to try and sell me poop and tell me that it's refined poop. I just, I, that's all I ask. I just wish. And this isn't just for the energy sector. This is in all aspects. Um, I just wish people would be honest. Business corporations, governments would be honest about what they're telling us so we can, as the people, make an educated decision for what is best for ourselves. When I met with Duke Energy in North Carolina, I met with one of their execs. And in the interview, I said to him, you know, when you look at all of this stuff that happens, the people getting sick, around Belize Creek, when you look at people who can't afford to pay their bills because the power keeps going up and then we're refusing to allow them to have rooftop solar, isn't there a part of you that as a human being feels like something just isn't right? And his response was, well, that's just the way it's always been. So, you know, make sure you think twice when you're reading something and, you know, think about what your values are. If you want to provide a healthier planet for your kids, if you want to create jobs and invest in the technologies of the future, um, you you really checked off all the boxes of solar and renewable energy. As regular people, how would one know that you know the stuff that we're the information we're getting from certain resources is bogus? Like you know, there's this doc which is great, but other than that, when there's information coming down the pipeline, <laughs> um, how how do we fact check it? Like how would it's, we know? It's pretty hard. I mean, you. The challenge too you have now, like a lot of people don't trust the EPA because mm-hmm. the oversight of the EPA and, and some of the things they've been doing are not in line with what we've been doing for decades to try and improve the air and improve the water and everything else environmental. So there are a lot of nonprofits that are respected nonprofits. They do have teams of attorneys who volunteer to fact check all of this information. Mm. Because even a lot of the stuff you see on, you know, the Fox News or the CNNs, a lot of that is just hype and it's not really factual. Like I, I love to get down. That's the downside of the internet. I mean, the one good thing is you can research things. The downside, you can be bombarded with all of these manipulated messages. Yeah. Well, and Ex- if you're, if what you believe is, I don't, I don't want to say wrong, but it, it can become an echo chamber. Well, 100% well, yeah. reinforced. Well, speaking of like-minded thinking, this was an interesting thing that sort of shifted my thought about, you know, some of the corruption in politics and, and when, you know, these big companies have so much political power. How does this happen? We did a fascinating interview for the documentary. This was in D.C. I made several trips to D.C., talked to all kinds of different politicians. Um, But one of the interviews I did was with Jack Abramoff, who was one of the most notorious lobbyists. He went to prison for the casino scandal. Um, Had to do with bribes and, and again, corruption. Um, 
he's sort he's out of prison now. He's on a redemption tour, and he he's a very intelligent man. redemption tour. Yeah, like he was basically oh he's trying gosh. he's trying to to make up for the stuff that he had done, and okay. uh, so he he basically is trying to point out where the corruption is, so that oh, okay, you know, so he's, can be actually he's actually doing, doing good, good. now. He's, he is. Okay. I, I, this the thing is, so he's a, he's a Republican. He you know has certain ideals when it comes to politics and and what he's looking to do. But the interesting thing he said to me is, you have to realize. When it comes to something like solar, overwhelmingly the majority of Americans believe solar is a good thing. If you think about it, it's good for the environment. That really, you know, rings and resonates mm-hmm. with somebody who's maybe leaning left. You can produce your own power. Someone shouldn't be able to tell you how to produce your power. You can do what you want on your property. That's something that also really resonates with a conservative voter. So he was saying, why is it then if overwhelmingly the country agrees with solar and renewable energy is still losing the fight. Why? And it's because the environmentalists aren't playing the game right. The way our political system is set up, the companies that can contribute the most money to these campaigns can foster these politicians through their career. It's not like they're walking up to a politician with a bag of cash and saying, hey, I want you to do this against what you normally do. They find these politicians young in their career and they're like-minded. So they're looking for people who specifically have the same ideals that they have. They, they believe in fossil fuels. They believe in you know the power of that one entity, keeping a monopoly. And then they bring them up through their career to these power positions where all of a sudden they're a senator, they're a governor mm-hmm. or whatever. It's this game where you're allowed to bribe politicians. It's not there's a there's a threshold, but you're allowed to give gifts. It's part of our system. You're allowed to give gifts. You're allowed to give these contributions. You're allowed to form these super PACs and do all this other stuff. It's it's crazy the way it's set up. You really can't fight the corruption mm-hmm. unless we go back and correct the system. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. So another aspect of renewables that I thought was fascinating, um, I was talking to somebody and debating, you know, why it would be great to switch over to solar and instead of, you know, using uh, gas or, or whatever else is is fueling your house in a messy way. And their argument was, yeah, but look at the subsidies, like, you know, solar and renewables, they just got like something like 10 million in subsidies for their solar. And I just thought that was so funny that they're saying that because... What, is, what do they have on the fossil fuel side? It's the subsidies that they get, and it's also subsidizing them building plants um, and giving money back for any sort of a mess or a cleanup and everything else that they get. And the subsidies for solar was actually something that was actually just going directly to building solar. Yeah, production. Yeah, exactly. So the crazy thing, you know, you look at like the coal industry, it gets so many subsidies. It's crazy. When people are looking at the physical cost to generate power, that's the thing that frustrates me a little bit because all they look at are the bottom line, okay, here's the power plant, you know, building the power plant and operating the power plant and generating the power. That's all they're looking at. 
Well, if you were to just look at that, the cheapest form of energy you know, to produce is wind. The cost of solar has come down so much. The technology has improved so much. It's actually good for business. So now that the business community is investing in solar, there's billions and billions being spent on you know building these massive large-scale solar facilities. Um, you know that's now where we start to see this momentum happen. They call it you know the fossil fuel utilities. They put out a report a few years ago, and they called it the death spiral. They said for utilities, if they continue to allow rooftop solar to happen and for solar to take a grip. It's going to be the death spiral and you'll start to see utilities go bankrupt. Well, that's because they're not looking at how they can redo their model. How Maybe, maybe utilities need to become distributors more so than mm-hmm. producers. Maybe there's a way that we can do... There is a way. There's a lot of states. There's cities right now. There's like over 20 cities in America who are 100% uh, offset with their energy. Like they're 100% clean energy. You think your voice never counts or one voice isn't strong enough. One voice can make a difference, but guess what? Two voices are even better. Four voices are even exactly. better. Exactly. Everybody out there can make their own power trip documentary mm-hmm. about uh, renewable energy in so that battle. What should people do? Um, I created a website for the film so that people could go to an easy, like low lift couple websites that will show you if you want to use your voice, here's how you can take action. If you want to put solar in your home, here's a resource for you. Um, you know, some nonpartisan information about solar. So people can go to powertriptruth.com and um, it just talks a little bit about the film as well and and why we did it. But you know, I didn't go into the film with any agenda. You and I spoke about this as well. Like we we didn't take on sponsorship for the film or anything. We paid for it out of our own pockets because we wanted to make sure nobody could say this is a biased film. We were learning everything as we were going. And I remember that there were two situations while making the film that really shook me up a little bit and made me think, okay, well, there's definitely like that shady organization. You remember that organization on The Simpsons? What was it called? The uh, oh gosh, the shady. It had all the evil villains. I can't remember. remember what it's called. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to look this up for after. The Stonecutters or something like that. I yeah. can't remember. But anyway, it, it, there is you know that kind of shady stuff going on. One was when I went to D.C. So we had set up all these interviews on both sides of the aisles with senators, Congress people, we had, you know, lobbyists, you name it. Well, we landed in DC and I got a phone call and it was from the office of one of the Republican senators that we were supposed to interview that day in like two hours. And they said that they're no longer going to be able to do the interview. And I said, oh, that's, you know, that, that's unfortunate because we're on our way there. I was, it was my production team that did it. Um, and um, so... We said that's unfortunate. Within 10 minutes, every other Republican office called and canceled their meeting. So there was obviously a consorted effort where they did not want to talk to us. Um, we were still able to interview Jack Abramoff, who's a Republican. We still interviewed several Democratic senators and Congress people. Um, but it was it was really frustrating to see that there was this consorted effort to not support. I wanted to give them a platform to explain what they're doing, and obviously they didn't want to do that. Yeah. The other scary thing was we got a phone call and this was early. This was when we first started working on the idea. I was jotting down. I hadn't talked to anybody about it, hadn't pitched it anywhere. I remember this. And said, well, one of their major sponsors was the utility, the the local utility. And the utility said that they're going to pull all of their funding from our, for our shows. If we stop, if we don't stop doing the film. And I was like, I don't know what freaks me out more. The fact that someone has the gall to say that because they feel this film may be, 
you know, unflattering for them? Or how the hell did they even know we were doing this film? Are mm-hmm. they listening to us? Are they looking at emails? So I reached out to Al Gore. We've all worked with him through Climate Reality. And he said, you know, frankly, you got to be aware if you're going to go down this path and you're going to challenge these major corporations, you have to expect that they're reading all your emails, that they're looking at your texts. They have people who work for them that can do all of these things, even though it's illegal, but they still do it. And it's unfortunate because it's, it shouldn't be that way. You know, you should have access to truthful information, factual mm-hmm. information. You shouldn't have to feel like you're being intimidated. In fact, in America, so these, these utilities that are all set up as monopolies, they're government-mandated legal monopolies. They're allowed to be a monopoly. But the reason monopolies are illegal most other places is because they're not good for the consumer. That's the big thing. Great for their business model as a utility. But part of being a government-mandated legal monopoly they are not allowed to have predatory tactics. So they're not allowed to try and put other people out of business, to prevent any other options, to prevent new ideas from coming, from sending out misinformation. They're not allowed to do that, but there's no one who's regulating it. So that's what I'm, I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. Are we going to see that we go right back to the start? Are we going to analyze our legislative process and say, hey, there's ways that we can seal up these loopholes and make sure we keep people accountable. The technology is already taking hold Mm -hmm. and moving forward. I just want to make sure at the end of the day, if you want to have solar on your roof, you have the ability to do that. I, on the Vegas house, I've offset all of my power on the Vegas house now for several years. And it feels good to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think once people see the economic benefits, it's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny too, because that's something I've always fought is I, I don't agree with the people who say, no, this is bad, fossil fuel is bad, we have to flick the switch right now and go all solar, go renewable and done. Mm-hmm. It's physically impossible. Mm-hmm. The economy would collapse, we'd be back in the dark ages and it just it is not feasible. What is feasible is we can set realistic targets and we can work towards it and they can be aggressive targets. Like I said, you know, today, if I was a business person who wanted to generate power, the numbers point you right at solar and wind. That's the direction to go. What's going to revolutionize everything, and it's what makes me very excited. I even went to the Sandia Research Facility um, in New Mexico, and I've traveled around looking at the latest technologies when it comes to battery and solar. When batteries hit whatever that next step is, where all of a sudden you can power your whole house off of one battery, where you can power devices for longer periods of time, that is going to change everything. So all of a sudden... You know, you may not need to have the home, you know, battery system that you have right now. The other thing too is if all of a sudden something like nuclear fusion becomes a thing. I know they've been working on it for decades and decades and decades, but all of a sudden that combined with new battery technology would revolutionize everything. So would that help Linda so that she doesn't have to start plugging in her phone at 9 a.m. to charge? Yeah, well, that's the thing. How cool would it be if you had a cell phone when they say, you know, the next revolution in battery storage your you know iphone could last for a year you, you don't have to charge it for a year or 10 hmm. years how cool would it be to have a tablet or a laptop that you don't have to charge for 10 years that would be crazy i think i just don't want to even have a tablet or a laptop or a, a phone i just want it all in my head and then if i'm sending a text to linda i just blink no i just <laughs> want a tablet like a stone tablet and i'll just chisel, chisel it, out. it I'm yeah. go back into the dark ages <laughs> I do feel like Drew would be the first person in line if they said they could like 
implant, implant the processor inside Oh, he totally you. would be. I just dialed Linda. How are you doing? <laughs> you, oh, you sorry, but, Mom. That was you. You butt dialed me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I installed you, it in your butt. Yeah. Well, why, why did you put it in your butt? <laughs> so what would be your dream if you're thinking your home 10 years from now, and I'm not not just talking renewables, but just in, in general, how would you like to see everything we've sp- sort of spoken about moving forward for your home? I want people who are representing the people. That's the big thing for me. I want you know decisions that are being made. So it is easy if you do want to put solar on your home, if you do want to lower your carbon footprint, um, I don't think it should be as difficult as it has been and continues to be. So you know we know we're moving in the direction of doing things great there. And it's not like this is the only solution. There are a lot of other things that cause our car, our, um, you know, greenhouse emissions. There are a lot of other things that are problematic when it comes to energy. But I feel like if somebody wants to do something in their little plot of land that's good for them and good for their, you know, environment, why not support that? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to see. Yeah. And, and I think people who aren't on the same page say like, oh, well, it's not all about solar. Well, you're right. It's, as you said, it's, you know, there are so many other ways to help and it's not just solar. We have to, at this rate, do a lot of things all at once, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could say anything to people and, and the goal of the film was think for yourself. Don't let other people tell you how you should be thinking, how you should be voting. You know, it makes sense to me when when I think, if I look at, you know, a chimney that is spewing black smoke into the air right next to a school, you know, you know, you see fracking happening and all of this stuff that's going on. And then if that same amount of energy could be produced by simply having a panel that absorbs the natural light of the sun, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I think anyone would agree it seems like probably the latter is the cleaner way to go. And that's what we would want to do. Well, I, I'm really excited to see how people react when they watch. So PBS, November 16th, yep. and it, it's really exciting. Jonathan Scott's power trip, it's the battle of energy, the battle of the ages. That you didn't even know was happening. Exactly. Thanks so much for chatting. So great to meet you, sir. It was great to meet you. We, um, shared, we shared a womb and I also was at your wedding. So, okay, it's true. You, oh, you wept oh, at our wedding. Oh, that was you. Oh, yeah, right. I didn't realize it was you. I was going to say, you're, you're really good looking, whoever you are. <laughs> Should I add in that this interview was brought to you by Solar. I get so charged oh, talking so many about... Good puns. Oh, yeah, charged, yes. You used a good pipeline pun earlier. But no, just talking about moving in the right direction for a healthier planet and a healthier home. Mm-hmm. It, it does feel um, powerless. Another good pun. Uh, sometimes, you know, with all of the mean people, all of the greedy people who are trying to muddy the waters, also another good pun. Oh my gosh. All right. Enough about that. No, um, but, but that's, that's the problem. And putting out disinformation and um, yeah, it, it can seem very confusing, but I think this doc gives a lot of hope because it really does lay out what the landscape is and presents um, both sides, both of the, sides yeah. in a fair way. Um, yeah, I think it, it is just all about learning and, and deciding yeah. for yourself. And, and again, I, I think really it is, what I love is that it really shows there are so many good people, everyday people who just have misinformation about the coal industry or about fossil fuels in general and not understanding 
the benefit of what renewable could do for them and their community and the planet. So check it out. You guys definitely have to check out Jonathan Scott's Power Trip, November 16th on PBS. Talking about healthy living, you know, we love the idea of solar. We're actually installing solar on our house right now. It's actually this week, it's going to be put on the house. We also have- we did it for the BVB houses. Yeah, yeah, we did for Brother versus Brother. And I mean, anytime we can- you know, it's so much more cost effective now to install solar than what it used to be. But also the idea of a battery wall, having a wall that you can store some of that energy. What a lot of people don't realize is, you know, during the day you have solar produced and then that can offset your costs, but they don't think about at nighttime. There's still a bunch of costs for your utilities during the mm-hmm. night, even when you're sleeping. So I like that idea that we're able to offset both. Make your night energy and day. work for you. Yeah. Imagine if we were able to create a movement in our neighborhood that would then affect the city and then affect the whole state and then the whole world. What if we got everyone on our street to get solar? That would Should be we try so to do this? cool. Do you want to come door to door with me and we'll talk to everyone? Yeah. I think we, if we laid it we'll out. Give cookies and, and... Cookies and solar. I mean, I, that, that's a you know, cool thing about being in California. People are on board and as we were talking about, a lot of people are already on board. So it's not like we have to convince them. It's, I think it's just a matter of um, dissecting the how. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even that, it has become so easy now. Yeah, the making it easier, the decision easier. It's the same. A lot of people... A lot of people want to recycle. They just don't actually understand when you have different bins. And, you know, oh. we, I remember we used to have to... In Nevada, we used to have to separate. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I can remember my mom and me would make it like a whole ordeal. We would go out there, we would separate, we would yeah. have to, you would have to bind any cardboard mm-hmm. together. I and remember that. It was such a job. Nobody wants that. But, you know, just making any of these decisions easy will help everyone do it. And also, I don't mind the idea of that bit of incentive. Like, for example, recycling. If you get a little something back, it would not be great. Like the same way you get like a nickel back for a bottle or whatever it mm-hmm. might be or 10 cents. Yep. Imagine if there was a way to have that sort of a, a kickback with renewable energy, for example, like what you used to have with net metering where you could get money back for any overproduced energy. Or even better, because recycling should always come last. Mm-hmm. It's like the last resort. Right. Even better is just reusing or even better than that is reducing. Do you think one day there will be the technology that it doesn't matter what it is because I know one problem with recycling too is if something gets contaminated, Mm. you know, a plastic, for example, to be recycled, if it's been contaminated with something else, like there's a sticker on it or some sort of food or dye or something in there, they can't recycle it the same way they would. Imagine one day where everything can just be taken back down to the molecules and then it's just redistributed as those small molecules into whatever else needs to be made, then it's 100% Recycled and reused. That would be really cool. That would be cool. I don't understand why things are still made that way then. Like if you know that you can't, if the post-consumer like product can't be used fully, I don't know if, I don't know if that's the right term. Um, I have lots of learning to do, but yeah. Why do manufacturers make things that can't be like broken down and made back into something new? Well, of course, but I think again, it comes down to necessity and... Money. M- money profits and, you know, people get things put into place, bef- especially industries or, or products that were put into place before we were more knowledgeable about the side effects of some of these makes it a little bit harder. But, mm. I mean, people are getting smarter and we're moving in the right direction. In our house, I mean, we, we do a ton of little things that we hope. We try. Just, we, we try to. I mean, 
for example, you know, we've swapped out the different, you know, the soap that we use. Um, we also, you know, any of the cleaning products in our house. And by the way, you know, I think somebody who's looking to be more health conscious, green in their home, trying to use products that are not um, harsh chemicals. The one thing to keep in mind, I think some people who are looking to, to use those green products and they just dump all of the stuff that they were using, all the chemical products, they just throw it out and everything else. I, that's no. polluting as well. So I think if you've already- We finish it off. Yeah, you got it in your house. Exactly. Um, unless like you find out that it's like really bad for you, then obviously right. don't keep harming yourself. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to find things that have better packaging. Ooh, uh, we found this new store. I mean, it's not that new. It's like several months old here in LA and it's a package-free shop. So, so that's and one of the things that bugs Linda and me is you think about your, say you were buying some clean product, but you order it online or, or you get it in a store, but then you think of all of the time and energy and waste taken to package it, to ship mm-hmm. it, to send it, whatever happens. And so we were trying to find so a, a local store local. that is package free. So we found one and it's beautiful and amazing and fun. So how does it work? You bring your own canisters and you fill her up there. So it's basically like a bulk food store for yeah. all products. Yeah. This has been fun. I mean, you guys can tell we really get charged when we're talking about We already used that pun. Well, I'm just saying I get charged. You know, we get energized. I get energized. Yeah, get, like a bunny. Um, we get, we light up. Ah, uh, there you go. But not like. But in a, in a not, renewable energy way. Yeah, not, not drugs. Uh, by the way, we, uh, we're also going to put links in our description for you guys for all the information that can help you find Jonathan Scott's power trip as well as other information about how to make your house a greener, safer yeah, home. We'll put that on the website at homepodcast.net. Uh, also, make sure to hit us up on social media at at home. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, hit us with a DM as well if you guys want to tell us something about your home that has really helped you become more sustainable. And thanks to our podcast producer, Brandon Angelina. What are you laughing at? I'm, I'm laughing because he said hit us up in our DMs or something like that. That's, That's the cool thing. That's what the cool kids funny. say. I thought you were laughing because when I was talking, I was getting that too. excited. Did you see I keep that? sticking my legs up. No, you can't really see it. But um, <laughs> who do we? Who else do we want to thank? Annalie Bell. Annalie Bell, our sis and sis researcher. Sis and researcher. Uh, Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson for our song "Feels Like Home." Mm-hmm. And I want to thank all of you and you, you and, and you and you and all of you guys. And you. I love you this much that I will rub your feet as soon as we leave here. Yeah. So I'm going to make this podcast an extra five hours long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys. See ya.